When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, and there's a lot of attention uh, this morning on the late Shane McGowan. He'll make his final journey uh, this morning. And it's also been reported that Shane's ashes are going to be scattered on the River Shannon this weekend. The exact spot has been specifically chosen so that Shane McGowan can come full cycle and return to the sea and the land near his home in County Tipper at County Tipperary. The river was also chosen to reflect the lyrics of one of the Pogues' most famous songs and that was the broad majestic uh, Shannon. Now following today's funeral service Shane McGowan's wife, Victoria Mary Clark, will be surrounded by family and friends and they'll have a private ceremony tomorrow, as they say, their very final goodbye to what everyone is now accepting. Shane was one of the greatest songwriters of his generation. And uh, Tipperary has very much turned into a musical mecca over the last uh, couple of days. There's been many famous names from trad music, Uh, seen and beyond who were gathering since yesterday and they're all in uh, Tipperary for a very fitting send-off for shame. Now he was waked in Tipperary uh, last night with friends and um, celebrities staying overnight in various uh, locations with all of them gathering to say their final farewell. It's been reported that President Michael D. Higgins he will attend the funeral service and I thought this was lovely. The remaining members of the Pogues are actually going to play at uh, the and then they'll have a private gathering tonight and they'll be playing at that uh, as well. And then ahead of his ashes being scattered over the weekend, Shane will be honoured by his favourite pub's landlord, who also, typical of a rural town, happens to be the undertaker in charge of his funeral. Uh, Shane was a regular at Philip Philly Ryan's pub in Nina. And seemingly, according to Philly Ryan, six years ago, um, Shane... Uh, spoke to him about how he wanted his funeral to be handled and he went through it in very minute detail of exactly what he wanted and uh, he said Shane's funeral is exactly as they discussed uh, six years ago. So Philly Rhines is the pub and then Philly is also the Undertaker, Rhines Undertaker, which is right uh, across the road. Among the guests from the entertainment world due to attend, they're talking about Bono uh, being in uh, attendance. Johnny Depp is expected to be there and Nick Cave uh, is another name that has been uh, mentioned. And of course, it's this morning that Shane McGowan's coffin will travel through the streets of Rings End in Dublin and then it gets ex- escorted back to St Mary's of the Rosary Church in Nina where the funeral mass will be uh, this afternoon and they're very much opening it up to everyone. I mean I don't know the size of the church but I imagine there will be many many hundreds of people will be in attendance and in another sort of a nice touch Brendan Fitzpatrick he was Shane's personal driver for over 20 years and he would have ferried him around to all of the gigs. He's going to travel in the hearse alongside 
uh, Philly Ryan, the uh, undertaker. And of course, it's very much going back to Shane's roots, having the funeral mass uh, in Nina, because Shane spent the first six years of his life in his mother's family home. It's just outside of Tipperary. It's a place called uh, Kearney. And then, of course, he regularly visited there when the family moved to England. They used to come over and back. He was obviously here a lot in the summers as a lot of the little English cousins would uh, come home. And uh, they reckon that whole area of uh, Tipperary was where Shane really developed his love of Irish music. So a lot of people remembering and uh, thinking of Shane McGowan today. 0818 Three one oh three. Oh yeah, I want to bring you this, and and actually, I've already had some commentary in on uh, this. This is to do with Helen McEntee, the Minister for uh, Justice, and her calling out the words she used when she was describing some of the people who had been rioting in uh, Dublin. Robert has been on and thinks the Minister for Justice did, used the right words. She was speaking on behalf of the nation, says uh, Robert. But then another texter disagrees and says it's unparliamentary. She should withdraw the comments. Michael says those who criticised our Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, for calling those who willfully rioted and looted in Dublin City have played a big role on how Dublin has declined from what was a most beautiful city to work, to live and to enjoy yourself. And Michael says, from my personal uh, point of view. It's nothing like that today. It's outrageous to think that anyone would be supporting them. I seriously think that her language was very, very moderate in the circumstances and that those now asking her to withdraw it and apologise should really listen to themselves. They are asking the Minister to say sorry to a gang of rioters and looters that brought fear into the hearts of innocent working people in the heart of our capital at a huge cost to us, the taxpayers. I seriously think that when they when they are brought before the courts that the maximum penalties should be imposed on them. Thanks for that, Michael. And Helen McEntee has refused to withdraw her use of the words scumbags. Uh, she used those words in the doll. Uh, it was on November the 23rd and she was discussing the riots in Dublin. Helen McEntee had told the doll the rioters involved were trying to intimidate those seeking international protection and went on to describe those involved in the violent scenes as scumbags and thugs. Now Labour TD is one of those calling on her to withdraw them, Aidan O'Reardham. He challenged the Minister's use of the term when she appeared before the Oireachtas Committee on Justice uh, yesterday, uh, he, he the, the deputy said her use of the term was making it more difficult for youth workers and others to prevent youngsters from falling into the hands of the far right or falling into the hands of drug gangs. He said, do you not accept that by labelling the entirety of what happened, everybody involved by the phase as classist as that. Do you not feel that was wrong? Helen McEntee said she wouldn't withdraw the use of the word scumbag. She said, I've said what I said. I won't take it back. Adding that it was not language she would normally use, but she felt it very much reflected the actions that people saw on the night, including, she said, the burning of a bus, the burning of guard, the cars, and then, of course, the subsequent looting of shops in Dublin. The Fine Gael TD said the uh, words used were not an attack 
on any group of people, nor, nor were they attack on any part of the city. It was just on the group that was involved in the rioting and in the uh, looting and just staying. Obviously, she was she was before the Justice uh, Committee yesterday discussing more than just um, uh, asking her to withdraw those words. She was obviously asked about guard the guard the numbers and people trying to feel safe in our cities and in our towns. And she told the committee there will be between 700 and 800 extra Gardaí available next year. The first 153 new members of the force are going on active duty actually this month. She said new legislation would put on Garda Siakona on a clear path to start rolling out body cams on frontline Garda from next year. And she said that officers in Dublin city centre will have access to the recording devices from next spring. She said this, the shocking scenes that were witnessed in Dublin show how crucial body cams are to protecting the Garda and helping to bring criminals to justice. She says we cannot keep sending Gardaí into situations where they are the only ones without the ability to record exactly what is going on. And Minister McEntee went on to say that Gardaí manually trawling through thousands and thousands of hours of CCTV footage was a shocking waste of time. And she also intended to bring in a bill around the use of facial recognition technology to government in the coming weeks and that obviously would help ease uh, the burden. So what side of the fence are you on on this one? Do you think Helen McEntee used the right choice of words calling those people who were involved in the violent scenes scumbags and thugs are as Minister for Justice should she have toned down her words used parliamentary words uh, in, instead or was it done in the heat of the moment is that why because she says herself it's not words she normally uses even though she's sticking to her guns and she has so far says she won't withdraw them your thoughts welcome to your chance on the programme today to become a qualifier for the C103's Christmas cover and your chance to win a super value gift card today to the tune of €500. Euro. In total, we're giving away €5,000 between now and Christmas with the C103's Christmas uh, covered. You are listening for your chance to text her WhatsApp. Please don't text her WhatsApp before I give you the time to do it because otherwise you won't be entered into the draw if you text her WhatsApp too early. When I give you the cue to text her WhatsApp, then get texting her WhatsApp. It's just simply your name and address. Have your phone with you, please because John Paul tells me a number of times today when he went to call somebody back they weren't there or they didn't answer their phone you must be able to take a call from us come on air answer a very simple Christmas uh, question and by doing that you will become a qualifier on the programme today I'll send your name forward to Martina O'Donovan as Ken has done with his qualifier this morning Nick will do it this afternoon Martina will get a fourth qualifier and then you'll have a one in four chance of winning a 500 euro shopping spree you also need to be available to take a call from Martina after six uh, today and of course C103's Christmas covered with super value gift cards they're perfect for every occasion they're available in store are online for gift cards where they can be sent with a personal message. Search Super Value Gift Cards only on C103. Many people will be disappointed to hear that Kinsale's iconic 20-foot lobster pot Christmas tree, which has raised thousands of euro, by the way, for local charities, will not be erected on the pier this Christmas season. And to explain why, I'm joined by local fisherman Eamon O'Neill. Good morning to you, Eamon. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Eamon, it's not because you don't want to put up the lobster pot Christmas t- tree, but I believe you received an email from Cork County, County Council. Tell us pl- more, please. Uh, yeah, they want to impose um, 
public liability insurance on the fishermen for land-based activities within their remit. So um, that wouldn't include me making a Christmas tree out of lobster pots to be for my general work. And and have you had has this issue come up before? Have you have you? Well, last last year I built the tree for two years. And last year I asked the harbour master would the council it insure it under their insurance yeah. for the duration, the couple of weeks that the tree was up there. And the, the response back was when he checked it out, he said that they wouldn't cover it. So obviously it was always a worry, um, because there's, there's quite a few pots go into it. And this year it, it, it went the opposite way then that they, for any activity for me setting foot on the pier um, in my working day for my gear, for landing fish, for storage, for whatever, um, I need six and a half million public liability indemnifying the Cork County Council. Uh, and and if, you, if you don't get the insurance, how does that affect your work? Well, I don't know. We have to meet that one. I will get it. I have no doubt that I will. My insurance will cover it. Yeah. If I, you know, you pay the premium, you'll get it. Um, but that's what they're demanding of the fishermen. I asked, I asked the council, was it for all port users? And they said, no, just solely for fishermen. That's so, it. Which I find strange. Like. Yes, yeah, surely it's for everybody using the pier. I would imagine that this is kind of discriminating against one sector, if it's not for everybody. And then if, if you had that, would that cover the, the, the lobster pot Christmas tree? You see, it wouldn't cover me making uh, something like, in this case, a 20-foot tree out of lobster pots. It'll cover me from my Your, normal duties. Yeah, you, yeah. as part but, uh, of being a fisherman, yeah, what you need yeah, to do yeah, on, yeah. on the pier. But putting electric wires on uh, lobster pots 20-foot high, I don't think it will come under my general insurance and how, how many years has, has has the tree been up? Two years. Two years. And wa- yeah. was there any accidents? No, 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 no. But uh, this is just coming in. It's just now in fairness, it, it's it's coming in as a coincidence. We got the email last last week. I suppose it started last week, or maybe the week before. But that's be, just because the, the harbour Jews are demanded this time of the year and it, it came with the demand for the harbour Jews for your vessel. And then you realise this is going to cover... It just happened uh, to yeah. go hand in hand, you know, at the time, yeah. yeah. But, but, but the, the council won't make any efforts to include the lobster pot tree under their public liability? No, I asked them last year because it was a worry, like, because there's so many pots involved and so forth and there's in a public place, place. And did they say why they refused last year? No, I asked the master and he came back and he said he asked them. They said no. So I didn't push it. The tree was up at that stage, like so there was no technical. And where did you get the idea for two years ago, by the way? I was up in Scotland touring around by car one day and I, and I saw it up in, I think, was it uh, Olympur or somewhere? They had it on the pier. And you brought the... Brought the and how long does would it take to erect? I usually got a bit of help now in fairness. It wouldn't take long because pots are quite big so they go up fairly fast. And we got a bit of help when, they, when, you, when you have a forklift involved. And yeah, and, and it was a little, you you lights and everything up on it. Oh, we put lights on it, yeah, and a big uh, lobster. A big lobster for the top of it and lights and so forth. 
And then, this was novel. It was novel. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. I I didn't see it in person, but I saw photographs of it, and it, yeah. it it's, it's it was a glorious thing to behold. I have to say. And how did the charity aspect of it, collecting for charity, come into it? Well, the first year, the life, the like, or approached me. And I said, "Walk away, of course." I I just threw it up for the decoration. They asked me then when they saw it, could they do a bit of fundraising side by side? And I said, "Walk away, of course." And then last year, the wellness. Um, organisation locally and the men's shed and the kids um, what do they call it the the the, the, uh, the kids club kind of thing that they all they wanted to do a, a tripart um, fundraiser so I said work away they did their own fundraising and yeah, they just had buckets or something and collected money. They did was buckets yeah, and they yeah. did a carol thing, I think, and they did uh, guess how many lobster pots and <laughs> five or go or something. Yeah, and it, it over the last few years, it became a bit of a tourist attraction. I mean, I, 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 I saw, say, like, I saw lots we, of people t- getting photographs taken with it. We should, we should have put the fundraising for the amount of photographs because if you got a, a tenner for every photograph taken, you'd have... You'd have made a fortune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then was it last year it went viral because of the broadcaster Alistair Campbell? That's right. That's, that's right. He had, I know how many he had in the, on his site. He, he, he named it as he was a thing for the week or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Was he in the area or did, or did he spot somebody else? At... No, I think he just uh, he spotted an advertised somewhere and he, he put on board, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so is there a lot of disappointment locally, Eamon, because it's not going up? Are people saying to you, what's what's going on? Actually, I was just wondering, like, and I just replied to it on, on Facebook, and that was uh, that, that's why. And you know, it's a, it's a maritime kind of a thing. Thing you can't put it up in the church square or no, like Mitchelstown, you know. <laughs> 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 Stop laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it is very much a maritime yeah, yeah, theme. Yeah, yeah. So it has okay. to be on the, on the waterfront. You know. All right. And is this the time of year that you're not using your lo- lobster pots? Is that yeah, they'll be coming ashore this time of the year, you know, yeah. maybe last month, that kind of end. Okay. You'll be in the process of moving them home, so it was halfway house, you know. And have you had a, what's, what's the year been like for you? It's just tough. There's a horrible summer there, so the weather was cat. Yeah. 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 And are, are you finished up now for the winter? No, or? no, we fish away 12 months a year, which will yeah. be on a different fishery. Okay. All right, well, as I say, a disappointment. And once again, we're back to this wretched, sure wretched public liability insurance. It's we're sure everything is going like that. I oh, council only trying to run, run the show, but it's just, I know, just I know. cookie crumbles, you know. But it's just, it is decimating so many societies and communities. And That's another cost. Because you, you, you yeah. can't do anything unless you have this massive public liability uh, insurance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, it goes back to as well, people have to stop putting in these claims. You know, you trip over something and, you know, yeah, before yeah. you even call the doctor, you're calling your solicitor. That has yeah, to yeah, stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah All yeah, right. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you for joining us and explaining it uh, to us, yeah. uh, Eamon. Have a happy Christmas. And thanks a million. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Eamon O'Neill, uh, fisherman, who was responsible for that lobster pot Christmas tree. It's be 20 foot high, has been there for the last two years, not going ahead in Kinsale. Yet again, public liability insurance. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Can I go to an email into the programme, Cork Today at c103.ie? And this is a follow on from a discussion I had yesterday 
with, was it yesterday or the day before I had the discussion with uh, Louise uh, Boyle? It was uh, Wednesday. Uh, Louise Boyle uh, joined me. Louise is part of the 24-7 protest or vigil. I don't know if it was a protest or a vigil, they want to call it, which is outside Abbeville House in Formoy. That was formerly a B&B and it's been earmarked as an an accommodation site for international protection applicants. Well, Tim from the Fomoy area sends me an email saying, Hi Patricia, further to your conversation on the programme this week with Laura Boyle, I would like to take issue with some of her comments. Firstly, she claims to have the majority of the community behind her. 1,500 signatures is what she claimed has signed their petition. Well, I'd like to tell you the population of Fomoy is roughly 6,000 and even if everyone who signed the petition was a local, that doesn't represent the majority of the people of Formoy. In fact, if you check, a lot of the signatures online are for people are from people who don't even live locally. She also claimed the residents of St. Joseph's, that's where other ref- Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers are living, were hanging around in the shadows. And I would have to say that is a complete falsehood. The residents of St. Joseph's have done nothing, have done more for the community than many who are standing outside protesting at uh, Abbeville. Uh, house. Uh, Laura also claimed that protesters will protesters will document any refugee entering the building as she assumed the powers of the state all of a sudden. As far as I'm aware, checking on details of a person is the sole remit of Angartha Siakona and that is signed by Tim who is a resident of Formoy. just reflecting that the people who are protesting against Abbeville House, they are not representing everybody in Formoy. And and I know there is the there is another, I mean there is that other group in Formoy, it's the Formoy and Mallow against uh, division. They're all also opposed to the protest and for Moy, and, and I did mention it when I was chatting with Laura, has probably been one of the most welcoming uh, towns. You know, they have the wonderful sanctuary runners who do, who do terrific work in welcoming people, not just in the area, the sanctuary runners now are all over the country, but it's integrating, getting all communities from different nationalities and different backgrounds to get everybody integrated together and, and, and do it through the power of running. Sanctuary runners are brilliant. Of course, for Moy also have the International Choir. We've spoken with them before the amount of different countries that are represented in Formoy and everybody appears to live very, very happily in the town. There's a really a lot of work goes on uh, to do with integration. So there, not everyone is against the notion of Abbeville House uh, being used to house international protection applicants. So thank you to Tim for your email to Cork today at c103.ie. We've had some calls uh, this week, particularly from people who were worried that they will lose their post office in Crosshaven. That's because the current postmistress is due to retire at the end of this month. Local feed phone councillor Audrey Buckley joins me to share her concerns as well. Uh, good morning to Audrey. Good morning and, and thank you for having me well, on. Well, you're very welcome. I suppose we need to start by wishing Sarah McGrath the, the postmistress all the best on her, yes. her retirement and many people will miss her yes absolutely yeah, yeah no um, you know you don't realise how important the post office is in a community until you're being told that it's been lost and the people with it you know okay so what have Unpost tried to find somebody to take over from Sarah yeah so let me just bring it back a bit um uh Apparently, back in July and August, well, not apparently, back in July and August, on post, uh, we're looking for a new uh, person to take over the post office because Sarah had given her notice because she's retiring. So on post, uh, approached a few businesses 
and, and unfortunately none of them were willing to take it on. So uh, moving on, um, last Thursday was the first I had heard of it and that will tell you that a lot of us are doing our, our services online. Um, I hadn't been into the post office in July and August so I didn't see the notice like many other people. Um, so that will tell you something that, mm. you know, we're not using them enough. Um, but in saying that, uh, we we have to retain it. We need to retain these services because what's happening now is we have a lot of elderly population living here in Crosshaven. And um, they're just distraught about it. Um, the nearest post office is eight kilometres away. Um, for them to go and once a week to get their, to draw their pension, to pay their bills. It's a social outlet for them. Uh, so we just need to retain services like that to pay your pet licence, your TV licence, your bills, etc. Now, um, we is put it, an F- do, do you know, is it a busy post office? No, no post office is busy, apparently. Yeah, the smaller like one, ones, yeah. Yeah, the rural ones. But they're the ones we need to retain. When I, when I did a bit of research, I think 170 post offices have closed since 2018. So shocking figure. Shocking. And it's only when it happens to you and you're in it, you realise, oh, my God, we can't let this happen. Um, so we have three weeks to find a new um, proprietor for it. I and I know I know you said on post went and asked local businesses yes. if, if, they, if they were willing to integrate it into their uh, service. That's right. Did they publicly advertise it? No. Uh, well, I didn't see it, but apparently they put um, a sign up in the Cargilline post office and the Crosshaven post office. I haven't heard of anybody else seeing it anywhere else. I will tell you, I think the majority of us here living in the area, it was the first we heard about it when it was published on social media on Friday. And you say eight kilometres. It's, it's Cargilline then is the nearest post office, yes. is it? And it's a busy post office. And unfortunately, can you imagine a day like, you know, a rainy, wet day for an older person waiting for, you know, at a bus shelter uh, yeah, for a bus yeah. to Cargilline, you they know? Don't, if, they, if they don't have, have transport, oh, yes, you, can't, you can't walk to Cargilline. No, no, no. And it's isolation as well, you know. And so, like, we're really trying to, and I had about six or seven people contact me with an interest, which I Great. then can't, I... I tied them together with Unpost, my contact at Unpost. And um, I spoke to Unpost this morning because um, Minister McGrath is involved and he spoke to Unpost as well. And uh, we've actually three now potential people who have gone away to work out the figures. Great. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be a viable business on its own. It has to have another retail business incorporated into it. And that's the key. Yeah, yeah, because you know you can't ask someone to take on a business if they can't make a, a, no. a living no. Um, uh, no. out of it. And the other thing that I, over the years, when we've been discussing various post offices uh, that have closed, uh, some were saved, but unfortunately we lost uh, a huge number of them. Other businesses in the area also suffer when the post office yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we need to retain these services. We have, we have an aging population. We're going to be there one day ourselves, you know, and um, and and we're losing cash as well within the economy, you know, local economy. Um, so it definitely has a, a knock-on effect yeah. for a few different because issues. a pensioner who goes out to pick up their pension on a, a Friday. Uh, will more than likely then spend it in the local area. Yes. So it will be, if they're in Carrigaline, 
picking up their pension, they might just decide, oh, sure, I'll, oh, I'll get everything, everything I, 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 I need um, uh, here. So are, are you, it's, and it literally is the end of the year, isn't it? The, the 29th of December, um, Sarah's retiring. Um, so like as I said, I spoke to Unpost this morning. Um, there's three potential interested parties, I guess, the, you know, the Unpost broke it down and they're willing to work with any new potential uh, person who would take it over. But um, it's not a viable standalone business. Um, it has to be incorporated with another retail business. But I do think maybe nationally or government, we need to probably look at this because mm. um, it, it's a very serious issue for, for a lot of older people. And look, I use the post office myself, you know, for community newsletters and selling calendars. And it's a meat place, you know. The model, the model, the business model has got to be uh, looked at because, as you say, yep. we've seen too many of these uh, closings. So, I mean, that falls, that that goes back to one post, doesn't it? To it does, but it's a state body, so it would have to be looked at. I think it, I know the, the government gave it an injection there about two years ago. Um, I think what the basic salary would be about 30,000 because you're a sole contractor. You're, you contract yeah. out. So it's about 30,000. And then every time that somebody comes in and makes a transaction, um, a delivering a mail or drawing down their pension, you get a stipend. Yeah. And that's the issue. Enough people aren't going in. Yeah, um, because you know. it's the old mantra, uh, Audrey, use it or lose it. Yes, yeah. Which is unfortunate in this case because this isn't right in this case, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems just it seems very unfair, and it is the yeah. most vulnerable in our our, our society. Yeah. But there has been a push, and this the finger blame here uh, goes back to other government uh, departments, particularly the Department of Social Welfare. There has been a push to get people not to use their post offices. There's been a push to get people to have their payment put in, put debit, put yeah, into yeah. their uh, bank account, and people need to say no to that. It's the same yeah. with the the children's allowance. And I know you know it might be inconvenient uh, for parents to go in on the first Tuesday of every month, the way previous parents had to do, it, and it's easier to get it paid yeah. into the bank. But small things like that, you mentioned the dog license. Dear, yeah. I mentioned the TV license. <laughs> there's you know there's a lot of other things you can also be doing. There is at your post office. There is. And if we want to save cash as well, um, like that, I go in every month purposely to get my children's allowance because I always get it in cash. Well done. And um, and that was the point was because I want to spend the cash and use the cash. Um, but we're going to lose that as well. And I know it's only a small thing, but it's, you know, everybody stops going in. You know, there's no cash in the local community. And that's the problem if we're all tapping. Yeah, and there has been a campaign to try to move to a cashless society and there's a lot of people uh, very much against that. And I have to say only recently, twice now it's happened to me, I've been in a a shop and uh, the machines were down and if you didn't have cash. One particular time I actually didn't have cash because I just ran in with my phone and I was was paying with my card on my phone and I had to leave uh, the shop another time. I was at the checkout, everything was gone through and they said, oh, by the way, the card machine isn't working. Now, luckily, I had enough cash uh, to cover it. But, you know, technology fails. Absolutely. No, it does. And like if you've been to London recently, I was there recently. I couldn't, uh, I had to use my card everywhere. No one would take cash. 
you know, and that's the way we're probably heading as well, which I wouldn't agree on personally, you know. And and, and it's funny, I was over in uh, Devon, in a very rural part of Devon for the the October, the midterm break and I went into another little sort of a, a country pub, you know, the typical traditional mm. country pubs in, in England and I was up at the counter uh, ordering drinks and there was a sign up asking people to please use cash because they were, the, the sign explained that every time we use a the card there's... Oh, they're charged. There's, they're charged and I yeah. thought it was lovely to see it. Yeah. And that was a small community trying to look after their pub to try and bring down their costs. And I thought, great to see it. Great to see it. But as you say, big, big cities like London. Yeah. If you don't have a card, then you're going to get nowhere. And I think we all personally need to just look at it and we need to start looking at supporting small businesses like in Crosshaven now on Saturday night um, in the Or. There's all small businesses that are welcome because they're trying to network and try to keep local business um, local and supporting each other. Yeah, because it's only when they're all gone, people will yeah. be- bemoan the fact that they're, yeah. they're, you no longer can go to the corner shop to get a pint of milk. Yeah. Okay. All right, Audrey, listen, thank you for that and keep us informed, particularly if, if somebody does come forward yes, and we'll keep our fingers crossed. Thanks a million. Okay. And thank thanks you. for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil councillor Audrey Buckley on the campaign to try to get a new postmaster or postmistress in order to keep the post office open in Crosshaven. Please, 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 if you have a post office in your area, please use it. Now a couple of things just to give mentions uh, to uh, Kilali and Ballinrush Group Water Scheme. Powers that be there have been on to say the water is off uh, today. It's off from now until 2 o'clock this afternoon and now it's due to essential maintenance that has to go on at Kilali uh, Cross and it, it's not affecting all of the houses in the scheme. For example, scheme members in the Ballinrush area, they're not going to be uh, affected. Okay, glad to give that a mention. There is a culling of deer uh, being uh, proposed. It's it's all over the papers actually. There's some lovely pictures of uh, deer uh, as well and deer are causing a huge problem in some parts of the country and only recently we spoke about it with the McCroom bypass and how deer have caused a number of accidents, serious accidents there where, where what was being spoken about was we're lucky that nobody's been killed but it's a nationwide thing now that there's going to be a cull of deers. Not everyone I have to say is in favour of a call, uh, call in deers, a call of deers, including a West Cork listener uh, says, and I'm not calling out the opening part of your comment for obvious reasons, but somebody doesn't want to see deers called. One day these precious animals will be extinct, says this West Cork listener. Then what? Yes, of course, deer do wander down onto roads, but they only do that. Why? Because we humans are destroying their wooded habitat by felling trees. Drive slower. That will solve the problem. To Vicky in Carrigaline. Vicky had been on to us earlier in the week because she had medical supplies absolutely perfect in the box and um, no longer sadly the person who needed them has passed away but she wanted to make sure that they would go on for further use. She didn't want them just handed back into a chemist where they might be dumped and head for landfill. She's been back on this morning to say all sorted and the medical supplies have been re- removed and they've gone to a good home which is uh, terrific. Thank you for that uh, Vicky and uh, she says happy Christmas and uh, happy Christmas to you uh, too. I really hope it's a, a peaceful one uh, for you because I know with the bereavement in the family that first Christmas can be really really uh, tricky so look after yourself and be kind to yourself more than anything and then a Castletown Bear motorist has been on to say I recently moved to the Castletown Bear area and I would like you please on the programme to raise awareness of the junction at the Circle K 
filling station. It's very hard to exit back out onto the public road as cars parked are blocking the view. Surely it's only a matter of time before a serious accident occurs. I've been involved in a fatal accident in a similar situation before and I just want to highlight it as I don't want any other person to go through what I went through. Uh, love the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, that's just signed a concerned Castletown Bear uh, motorist. So people, please, uh, do, will others agree with that? Listener, the Circle K filling station is as you're trying to exit back out onto the road. I mean, if cars are blocking the view, am I assuming that those cars are illegally parked and shouldn't be parked there? You shouldn't be parked in any area that's blocking anyone else's uh, view. If anybody agrees with that, uh, let us know. 0818103103 or what is the possible solution to it? Because as our listener here who knows what it's like to be involved in a car accident where somebody is killed, you really don't want anybody uh, to go through that uh, again. And Shay in Mallow was listening to uh, my chat about the lobster pot Christmas tree, which isn't going ahead in Kinsale. And Shane says, hi, Patricia. Happy Feast of the Immaculate Conception. It is the 8th of December and a happy and a pro- prosperous Christmas and best wishes for 2024. Many happy returns, Shay. Listening on the lobster pot Christmas tree. Yes, public liability is a big, big problem. And yes, people are greedy to get claims. But really, it's the government who needs to address that issue and address it with the insurance companies. According to Shay, there is a certain bit of dictatorship going on from the council. And he also feels there's control from what he's describing as a communist style government. He says, roll on the uh, general election. Well, you've got local elections next year as well. And that is your time if you're not happy with the local council or if you're not happy with the elected representatives to the Dáil. And we also, of course, will have European elections next year. So we're going to have a busy, busy time across next year and early into the new year. On post offices closing. Hi, Patricia. And I was saying to people to try to do as much of your business as you can in a post office. Somebody wants to point out, surely it's safer for older people to have their pensions paid into their bank account. Collecting and carrying large sums of money out of a post office will make older people a target. Uh, Thanking you. Uh, Yeah, that certainly is an argument and it's one of the arguments that's being put forward for a cashless society that it's safer if you're just uh, using your card. But many older people like to deal in cash only because they've always dealt with cash and they prefer to deal with cash. And that's why when a post office does close, and of course there are older people who uh, very much do all of their business online, but there are still a proportion and dare I say a large proportion who still like to deal in cash and like to go out to the post office every week because it's almost like a social part of it. You go along, you'll meet other people. And a lot of those small, particularly the rural post offices, they know the comings and goings of all of the people. And when, you know, Ted, who normally comes in at 10 o'clock every Friday morning, when Ted doesn't appear and hasn't appeared by the afternoon, you know, alarm bells ring. And and we've had episodes in the past where it's the post office has highlighted that somebody is not doing their normal routine and they've checked up to find that somebody has fallen or, or whatever. So there will always be a need for post offices, but unfortunately we are losing too many of them. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862103103. Now, big reaction to Minister Helen McEntee and her refusal to withdraw the use of the word scumbag and um, thugs. They were words she used in the doll when they were discussing the November the 23rd riots in Dublin and there was 
a call uh, yesterday from the Labour TD, Aidan O'Reilly, asking her to withdraw the comments. But she's playing hardball and she says no, she won't withdraw uh, the comments. She said what she said and she said she won't take it back. She did admit it's not normally language that she uses, but she said it reflected on actions seen the night of the riots, including the burning of a bus, a guard guard the cars and uh, looting. Seamus says describes Helen McEntee as a failed minister. She's been in power for over a decade. Everything has gone downhill in law and order in Dublin City and around the country. The mention of 133 new Gardaí who will be rolled out in the new year is nothing to what we need for Garda stations all over the country. Well, I think the figure that I quoted of 133, that is initially, that's for this uh, month. She says there'll be between 700 and 800 extra Gardaí available across uh, next next year. Anyway, uh, she Seamus isn't happy with the number of uh, Gardaí. He says, I know she was loose with her tongue in the doll, but those rioters did not target the public. They targeted the establishment. And if you go along and have misgovernance, that is what happens. The Justice Minister also uh, bandies about the word far right way too much. But how do you explain the rise of the far right in the Netherlands, Italy and Poland who are voting that way? That doesn't mean that it is right to see a rise of the uh, far right. And when you say the rioters didn't target the public well, how, how do you feel about them breaking into Arnott's? How do you feel about them breaking into uh, Shoe Locker and robbing all the trainers? I mean who, who are they targeting? That's not the establishment they're, they're targeting. Burning out a, a Dublin bus Okay, burning, uh, burning guard cars. Would you say that's targeting at the establishment? How is that going to change the government in uh, any in any way? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I agree with your line of uh, thinking, Seamus. But thank you for your call. Uh, Joe says Helen McEntee was right to call them scumbags, <clears throat> and she shouldn't have to uh, apologise. This texter says, Trisha, I think Helen McEntee calling those gurriers scumbags was a bit wrong. I think she should apologise only because I feel sorry to a point for those people. Patricia, look at those young people who were involved in the rioting. Why are they behaving like that? I think it's because the way they were raised. In some cases, they were dragged up. They were shown no respect. Calling them scumbags and now that's what they know. I think they should be severely punished given the and, and given the full rigours of the law and the sentence should reflect the level of wrong that they have done. But at the same time, we need to hold our respect. We need to treat them with respect, something they may never have been shown in their lives before and hope then that our behaviour may influence their behaviour into the future. Having said that, Helen McEntee's choice of words did reflect the shock and the horror of what those rioters did. Helen McEntee is a good minister and she has a very, very tough uh, job. Someone else says, I never had much time for Minister Helen McEntee, but her description of scumbags and thugs, she was right to call it out for what they were for what they were if she offended them who cares says this texture morning Patricia regarding Helen McEntee's reference to scumbags she should have gone a lot stronger in her wordings in my opinion what took place in Dublin was wrong if we expect the minister to act on our behalf for our safety then we simply need to support her those who took part in rioting were evil and nothing le- less kind regards that's from Liz John is in care says I can't believe it 
that you can't call those people scumbags. That is exactly what they are. What in the world, what is the world coming to after the millions of euro worth of damage in our capital city? Pat Infermoy says, I don't think she's right calling those people scumbags. She should have called them the scum of the earth. If you notice, the, they only stole trainers. I didn't see, see them steal any work boots. Actually, Shoe Locker, the shop that they really targeted for all the high-end Nike runners, they put up a photograph the next day and they had a wall of work boots and they put up a photograph saying there wasn't one pair of work boots stolen uh, Pat so yes uh, you were right 0818 103 and Catherine in Glenville said does, said does anybody know of somebody that fixes old video cassette players or DVD players obviously someone in the Glenville area fixing old video cassette players are DVD players. Anybody know where they can be fixed? 0818 at 103 103 and uh, earlier when I was calling out the the comments there Shay in Mallow was mentioning that the, the fact today is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception the 8th of December and I saw a report that's out from AIB Bank and they're looking back at Christmas spending and the trends of Christmas spending over the last number of years and they've predicted that the peak day for Christmas spending is the day before Christmas Eve, the 23rd of December, which this year happens to fall on uh, a Saturday. So will that even make it more of a busy day? Uh, I wonder. I, I wonder. Men will spend twice as much as women on that day. And lunchtime on December the 23rd will be the busiest shopping period of the year, particularly between 12pm and 1pm and more than 12 million will be spent uh, in that uh, hour. What what AIB did was they compared, particularly last year, so they worked out what would be the peaks in spending and who's spending what what, and where are they spending it but they've come out with, it's the 23rd of December, 2.8 million transactions uh, they expect will take place in shops and that's 84% higher than an average shopping day. Women spend more than men in the run-up to Christmas. The only day they don't is Christmas Eve. The busiest hour uh, for in-store shopping by men on Christmas Eve is between 12 and uh, 1. And obviously that's the men doing the last minute dash to buy presents. The busiest day of the season for spending in pubs was the Friday before Christmas last year. 5.2 million was handed over in pubs on that day and that would be traditionally the day people breaking up for their Christmas uh, holidays. Men spend twice as much as women, by the way, in uh, pubs. The grocery shopping, that's obviously goes up hugely. It goes up 200% more than the uh, average day. And despite an increase in online shopping, Irish people are still choosing to buy their groceries uh, in store. And that doesn't really that doesn't really surprise me. Ninety three percent of grocery shopping uh, is done in a local store. And in the week leading up to Christmas last year, men spent nearly twice as much as women did on jewellery. The average transaction for men was two hundred and eight euro, and for women it was a hundred and six. But today, the eighth of September, that used to be once upon a time the traditional shopping uh, day, and that seems to have become less and less of a phenomenon uh, in uh, recent years because Christmas now is kind of spread out uh, 
some some would say it starts way back in November and there was there's been no noticeable increase in spending on the 8th of December last year and that was in line with trends from uh, previous years and this was traditionally the day certainly for Dubliners Dublin people would always say they'd never go into the city on the 8th of December because the Colchis which was uh, said to be a very affectionate name and I remember looking into the history of where of where why Dublin called anyone when anyone of us from down the country anyone from outside of Dublin why we were called Colchis and it seems because people outside of Dublin were more cultured so that's where the word Colchis came from anyway Colchis descended into Dublin Dublin and I, I mean I would remember growing up in Tipperary Cork would have been a big place for my mother would have gone shopping on the 8th of December but back in the 50s trains from Limerick at and Cork to Dublin were so full that it actually necessitated the provision of extra carriages and traffic in and around Dublin City always peaked uh, on this day but that is a tradition that has slowly, slowly declined. A lot of that is to do with the development of regional local shopping centres and retail parks that wouldn't have been there back in the 50s and the tendency as well towards more frequent uh, shopping trips. Uh, So there's no real surprise that the 8th of December isn't the big day that it once was and of course also added to that the 8th of December was a holy day so school children were were given the day off school so that allowed parents to bring their children maybe on a day out to the city to see you know the sights and the sounds and the lights and all of that but certainly that has changed 0818 103 103 C103 Jobs An LCV tester it's for light commercial vehicles is wanted for a busy test centre on the Mallow Road in Cork your CVs, please, to garage at dcronensmotors.com. A shop manager is wanted for a tool hire company in the Dunmanway area. Some experience with construction equipment would be an advantage. Phone Vincent 0868328570. Cooks and chefs are wanted for full and part-time positions at the Cafe Townhouse in Donorail. Email for the attention of Moira to townhousedonorail at gmail.com. And a full-time person is wanted for servicing vending machines with cold drinks and snacks. Now, a company vehicle will be provided and it is in the North Cork area. Call 87 411 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie And just like that, in the blink of an eye, we've come to the final weekend of this year's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here to chat about how the week has gone. Our entertainment correspondent, Crossy, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Crossy. Good morning. Isn't this really strange? That, like, this is it. It, it feels like it should have been on for longer. But for some reason, this is it. We're done. You see, I always attribute one of the big successes to I'm a Celebrity is the fact that it's only on for three weeks. You don't have the long commitment like you do for Love Island or for Big Brother. And I think that brings more people to it because they know you only have to commit for the three weeks. Yeah, and it's a lot, isn't it? And Do you know what I did notice this this year as well? There was no live Bush Tucker trials. No. And if there was, I, I missed no, them, no, I think. No, there, yeah. there wasn't. No, there wasn't. That could have been down to the weather, though. Yeah, it was. It, it's. I think it's been a mixed bag of weather for them. I did see last night, I was watching last night, and poor Deck, uh, 
looked sweating in one of the trials. Like he, yeah. You could see the makeup was running down his face. I was like, oh, it's either lashing rain or it's not. But look, it's it, it's been a good week. You know, I don't think if you look back at the whole series, the whole nothing wild. Maybe Nella kind of was the one thing that kind of happened in it. But everything else has just been fun TV to watch every yeah, single night, yeah. hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's, I've it's, laughed out loud. I think every single night at some point I've laughed out loud. And I know from a UK point of view, the biggest talking point is surely the fact, how has Nigel Farage managed to stay in the jungle so long? Do you know what? Someone told me a trick before. If you don't want the worst people to get out of it, you vote for the people that you want to win or to be kept in. So if, if if tomorrow night or tonight, I'm a celebrity go, who do you want out? Farage will be the first one gone oh. because everyone can put all their hate or all their love or whatever emotion you have into that one person. And I think that's how he's he's been surviving because this year has been the first year as well that they haven't said, who do you want out? It's who do you want to win? Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, it was a, a bit the same as, as Matt Hancock uh, last year who made it all the way through, uh, to, I think, to the final uh, show. Uh, Nigel Farage, I mean, he isn't coming across as the hate figure that I think people expected him to be. No, and I, I think I'm a Celebrity have kind of, they've paired back on showing much about him. I think last night was the first night that he was in it properly. And I saw it, remember Tony Bellew was, he seems to be the only one who is okay to slag them off. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The rest of them came to be dancing around it. If you missed last night's episode, um, Farage told, was it Sam, this is how you cook the rice, and then he walked off. And Tony, you could see Tony knew well. He's like, just me or you. He just was like, he knew well what he was doing. He knew Sam wouldn't be able to to boil the rice and then the up burning it and then Nigel started blaming Sam. And Tony could see through it and went, that's all him. And you can kind of feel there was a couple more digs in there talking about Brexit and there all was, that. And that's yeah. what he was kind of, was. he was relating to it. And that was, that was cool though because I, w- I would hate to be that person in there and then come out and say, oh, this person's brilliant. This person's that you would lo- I'd love to say I would be that person that would throw in the few digs that, you know, people sitting at home in the UK would be like, ah, oh, well th- done. <laughs> they feel like we feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I get more kudos out of it. Fred Xerox, C- the, the chef and the First Dates star, hero to zero in one episode. 
Wow. I think the best thing that happened to him was getting voted out that night. I think that's, that would save his career. I think Fred is light and fluffy. He's a guy does everyone likes him because it's their happy place. First dates, when he does the stuff with Gino and all that, that's people's happy place. And then they see this side of him. And I think the best thing that could have happened to him was that he got kicked out. He was... Uh, was it Danny Baker I think a couple of years ago he was on Graham Norton he says if you ever get a chance to be an I'm a celebrity pray to God that you're the first one voted out because you have to stay till the end so they put you up in a five star hotel yeah, 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 until the final. <laughs> so he was like, "You still get your money. You've still got the experience, and you got a free week over in Australia chilling out." <laughs> so, and it's not really cool. I never thought of that. But Fred has been posting loads of photographs on his Instagram and his Twitter over the last couple of hours, and you'd want to see the apartment he's staying in. The food looks great. The views look great. Sure, why would he want to be stuck in a jungle? Yeah. He's got his money. But I think <laughs> I, I think him picking on Sam was a oh, bad, bad move, uh, Fred. It and, was. And, and Nella, the the YouTuber, she really she she really was been the big hate figure, rightly or wrongly, in your opinion. Uh, I think wrongly. I, I think, you know, I think there's certain people these days who are quite loud and brash and all that. And you can see TikTokers and YouTubers and some like a small portion are like that. And her fans love that and they love that about her. And I, I kind of like the fact that she didn't change who she was. I thought she was going to win it after the second night. I thought they were going to go on a journey with her, but uh, she kept herself. She kept herself real. She called out people when she wanted to call them out. She did get a lot of flack, but didn't she make it a tiny bit more entertaining? Yeah, I kind of found. Somebody says, "Does does Crossy think it'll damage her career?" No, definitely not. Definitely no. not. The people who like her are still going to like her, and she's going to grab some fans along the way as well. These YouTubers are making so much money. On our breakfast show up up in Dublin here, we used to have kids on doing a little kids segment about fifteen years ago, ten years ago, and kids used to go, "Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a YouTuber." And I remember people laughing, "God, a YouTuber! Jeez, these people are making more money than the rest of us. They are, yeah. They're <laughs> they're making yeah, a serious money. And Nella is that? Yeah, yeah. and Nella is that? Eileen said she was disappointed to see Frankie to talk. De Tory go. He was the first one uh, to go out. But I did see him. Uh, he was critical of his airtime on the show. I mean, it is hard. They've got to try and condense 24 hours into, you know, I think at the most we get is a, a 90 minute show. It, it, it's the producers have to decide what they're going to show and not show. Yeah. And I think like even if you look at last night with Danielle leaving, who played Lola in EastEnders, I I thought she'd last till the end, but I think a couple of people who were voted out have all said she was brilliant, but we didn't really get to see that. She was quite shy. Even Marvin as well, like Marvin and JLS, people would have known JLS from X Factor and Marvin does a couple of TV shows with Rochelle. He's been quite boring in it. Like there hasn't been really much in it. The economy like, oh, wasn't Marvin great? We'll forget him about in two years. I think the winners... I think of this series are going to be Sam, Josie and Tony. I think they're the most memor- uh, memorable ones out of them all. Josie, maybe not in the last day or two, but Sam since day one has just been making people laugh and making people smile. And he, I, I, I didn't know this, but he used to watch the show with his family growing up. And now that he's in it, like he's a true fan. So when things are happening, he's going, oh my God, I'm doing this. Oh my God, I'm doing that. So it's great to see.
Yeah, and I, and I loved when, was it last night, the night before after he did the, oh, it was last night after he did the Bush Sugar trial, the way he thanked Anton Deck, you know, thanks for having me, uh, as if they'd invited him over for tea or something. You know, he's, <laughs> he's got, I, I mean, I, and I know he's openly spoken about his uh, ADHD. There's an immense um, innocence about him, it's it's it, it it's it's fantastic to see, and because there's nothing false about what you see is what you get. And I think that's why when Fred picked on him that time, you could see his little face, and I'm thinking, oh Fred, what what have you done here? Because I think everybody just wants to protect him because of that innocence that he has. And what made it worse is you can see that Sam was a fan of first dates. Yeah. yeah so yeah, he's yeah. like the man from first dates. I like his positivity. I like how. It's infectious. Like last night I was wrecked. It's like, oh God, we've a few episodes of this. And then I watched it and he just made me smile. I was like, yeah. isn't that what a, TV, a good TV show is? That it brings you through this little journey. And that's what he did. And I, I, I would say he's at this stage, I'd say he will probably win. Uh, and, I, and I, I would think say Josie, will be the most popular winner I think they have ever had on this programme. Yeah, no, definitely. He's got a podcast, a friend of mine now listens to it and he says that's him all the time. He doesn't really deviate, you know, doing sad things or bad things. It's all just fun, light and funny. Um, He probably will be the main winner because you kind of look at who's going to win it afterwards, like money wise or career wise. Uh, Josie, will she get this morning? I don't know. Like, you see, Rylan and Emma Willis have been doing very well recently mm. on this morning. So unless they break up that show and give Josie and Alison the Thursday and the Friday of it, because people are watching, they are voting for Josie, they are loving her. But for everyone else, I don't really know. I don't I don't think there's any much winners after that yeah. when it comes to TV shows. Yeah. And I, I also have to say Sam and Tony's uh, friendship. I mean, Tony, I mean, yeah. how many times Tony has had to do a... Deep breaths to, you know, it's just so funny. It's just so, so funny. It's great. He's come across very funny as well, Tony Bellew, who I wouldn't have known that much about before he went in. And isn't that, I just what I love about, I'm sorry, I hate when, when you know, when, when you start off, people are like, who, who's that person? And you all online, you'll see them quoting it. But that's why they're good because they're celebrities in their own right. And then we get to know everything about them. And then we're going, oh, Jesus, imagine Britney Spears' sister knowing Sam Thompson or Josie Gibson from this morning. Like there's two connections that you'll never make. And the mad thing is, I am almost sure I read somewhere today that uh, Britney Spears' sister, Jamie Lynn. Yeah. Flew back to America yes. and was on the Dancing with the Stars final, which she got kicked out of six weeks ago, and she was there for the live final. So I doubt she's going to be there yeah, on every, Sunday yeah, when the final happens. Everyone reckons the timing of that was done uh, deliberately um, uh, as well. And 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 I was looking at the TAM ratings in the UK. Um, I'm a Celebrity is it has done really really well because it it got off to a really slow start and it's actually beaten um, Strictly Come Dancing and it's actually overtaken the Euro vision coverage um, uh, which is great news wow. for ITV. it's great news for ITV because ITV uh, in particular in the 16 to 34s uh, that's the age group that they're trying to pitch it to and I think 74% of the population in that age group uh, watched it so they certainly are um, happy campers and actually mentioning Strictly did you are you a Strictly Come Dancing fan or is I'm a I got into I got into it this year did it's you? the first did year you? that I properly got into it uh, the guy that was in Casualty who was married to Sharon Watson, EastEnders. I was gutted for him 
that he had to leave it last weekend. I was like, imagine doing all that hard work and then having an injury and having to go away from it. Awful. One of our listeners uh, says Angela Scanlon was cheated out of Strictly Come Dancing. The judges just seemed very mean to her. She had to dance off she against a West End star. It's not fair. Okay. All right. Yeah. And and after when we when we put Strictly to bed, which I think it'll be the weekend after next, and uh, I'm a Celebrity finishes up this this we, we this weekend. What's next then for for the reality shows? There well, there, there is a massive reality show that is all over the world at the minute. It was on during, I think, the end of lockdown on the BBC called The Traitors. And oh, it is basically, I, I, I could be wrong. I saw a bit of that uh, it is, If you want something that is going back to the roots of reality TV, give it a watch. Claudia Winkleman is the presenter. And from what I remember, it's like 12 to 14 people in a house or like in a castle. And like, it could be just say me and you but we know each other, but we don't know anyone else. One of us is the traitor and yeah. we all have yeah. to convince each other that we're not the traitor. Yeah. It, it's fantastic. It's Excellent. a bit of crack. Yeah. It's kind of like the cube, but with a big massive castle. That's coming back in January. So that is going to be a good one for you to watch. Okay, what I always call chewing gum for the eyes and we all need a bit of that. Yes. Listen, uh, Crossy, <laughs> uh, in case I don't speak to you before Christmas, have a happy Christmas and uh, thank you for all your contributions uh, throughout the year. We always enjoy having you on the programme. Yes, you too. You too. Happy Christmas. It's great. We're at the home stretch now. Bye-bye. Take care. Cork today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. See mig.ie. Ours to protect. Brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Earth to Protect, we'll hear about monthly close swap events in Cork and how they are a sustainable way to get your hands on some new fashion items, as well as saving money during the festive party season. As well as being a time of joy, Christmas is undoubtedly a period of excessive consumerism and waste. In fact, environmentalists have described the holiday season as the world's greatest annual environmental disaster, with fashion accounting for about 10% of global greenhouse gas emissions. One way we can try to reduce our environmental impact this Christmas is by taking part in a Cork Clothes Swap. Claire Buckley is a volunteer with Cork Clothes Swap. Joy was the girl that started it and um, she'd come across it while she was studying in London and about two years ago she decided she'd try it and she rang her friends. She went to the park with six pieces and um, I think a couple of people came and then the next time she had more pieces and eventually she needed a space in, indoors and uh, so she got onto a community hub in called Rebel Reeds down by the Marina Market So um, and we are there now the first Wednesday of every month but at this stage we have lots and lots of clothes, we have you know 50 to 100 people coming to our swaps. Um, and we're turning around, we could be turning around 400 pieces of clothes at every swap. So it's, it's an incredible amount of clothes that we're saving from landfill. They're all being rehomed. Somebody is getting another good length of time out of them. Or, you know, so it's definitely worth 
Besides being responsible for nearly 10% of global carbon emissions, the industry is also infamously known for the amount of resources it wastes and the millions of clothes ending up in landfills every day. At Christmas, the average family will increase spending on clothes by 43%. This, of course, means that demand for fast fashion will increase as a result of consumers buying easy Christmas outfits for parties or Christmas jumpers. Fast fashion providers will therefore churn out even more products at even lower prices to boost profit, evident in the Black Friday, Cyber Monday and Christmas sales. But you can still have all the glitz and glam while being thoughtful of the planet. We have, you know, people that come with clothes with tags on, people that have, their sizes have changed, you know, because obviously people's bodies don't stay the same and, and also, you know, you might have different events on, you mightn't have money. You know, there's a lot of different reasons you come and swap, but like... I suppose most of the people that come and are regular at this stage, they it's almost a social thing now at this stage, you know, and it's a really good feeling because, you know, what's not to love? <laughs> you're going home, you're, you know, uh, refreshing your wardrobe and you can feel better about it, you know, you're, you're, you're saving the environment as well, you know, you're... I mean, we're saving, every time we do a swap, we take so much out of landfill, it's incredible, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, we get everything, we get things, we started, we're hoping to increase the likes of Deb's dresses, you know, uh, that kind of thing, um, we started very small with the men's section, but now that's, you know, they're doing very well now, you know, so the more, more people that come, the more diverse we get, the more clothes we get. This Saturday at the Clothes Swap at St. Peter's, you can join Martha McGuire for a workshop on creating a sustainable Christmas jumper. Bring an old jumper that you no longer wear and Martha and the team will help you use upcycling techniques to add a Christmas flair. Core Clothes Swap also have fashion fixers at their swaps. The idea of that is to prolong the life of clothes. So, um, or, you know, somebody could pick up a piece and maybe the sleeves are too long. And they could walk over to the girls and they're just like magicians. <laughs> they're brilliant. So they could turn up the sleeve and, and it becomes something different, you know. Um, it's much more suitable for somebody or, you know, um, equally they could take something apart um, and make something entirely different out of it, you know. So, so we try and avoid um, clothes it's very difficult to recycle clothes because there's so much plastic in clothes. So it's not really, you know, it's not really green to, to think you can recycle clothes, you know. Um, so if you can use them for any other alternative, you know, if they're not worthy of wearing, maybe try and make a bag out of them or make something else. There's, you know, there's always pieces of the material that you can use. And at least, you know, you're, you're saving a little bit more, taking it, you know, keeping it out of landfill. That's, you know, a little bit, you know, is, it makes all the difference, really. To learn more about sustainable fashion this festive season, visit Cork Clothes Swap online or check the show notes of this episode. And we're stronger when together. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. C103.
C103's Christmas coverage with Super Value gift cards. Perfect for every occasion. Available in store or online for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message. Search Super Value gift card. And that means when I play that, you can stop texting us, please, uh, because huge, huge entry again today for our Christmas C103's Christmas Covered. Who is on the phone lines? We're going to Mayfield to Alana O'Brien. Good afternoon, Alana. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Are you having a busy day today? What are you up to? I'm just in Labrook to Mayfield taking dockets, listening to you. Okay. okay. I, thought, I thought you were going to say you were in Labrook's putting a bet on. Okay, but you're working in Work Labrook's. There. Okay, all right. Okay, um, what would €500 Euro of a gift voucher mean to you? Me and my mum, we'd be delighted. We'd be going straight down to Super Value. We'd be weak. <laughs> okay, let's see if I can uh, make you a little less weak. We've got a question for you. Um, okay, what is a well-known box of treats associated with Christmas? Is it a selection box or is it a spice box? A selection box. It is indeed. Well done. Well, done. even though some might say a spice box, they have spice boxes at Christmas as well. But well done. That means you are our qualifier for today, Alana. Your name now goes forward. Keep the phone on after six because you could be getting a phone call from Martina. And if you get that call, then that 500 euro shopping spree will be yours. Thanks so much. I can't even believe this. I never, ever even get read my message. (laughs) That's because so many come in. We do our best. (laughs) I know. Thanks so much. Congratulations. Well done. Good luck later on. Thanks a million. Bye bye. What a lovely uh, lady. That is Alana O'Brien in Mayfield, our latest qualifier for our C103's Christmas coverage. Nick does it all again this afternoon with another round and then we'll get another qualifier with Martina and then Martina makes the final draw and then she'll call one of today's finalists back to tell them they have won a €500 shopping spree. That's the C103's Christmas covered with Super Value gift cards. Perfect for every occasion. They're available in store or you can get them online as an e-gift card and they can be sent out then with a personal message. Simply search Super Value gift cards only on C103. Airlines are open at 0818 103 103. Let me go to a lot of your commentary coming into the programme today. Firstly, just a few shout outs. Somebody said, will you mention a Christmas concert, please? It's going on in McCroom. It is Friday week, this day week, 15th of September. And it's for Father John Keane's homeless charity and tickets are available from John on 089-2726-170 and Christmas concerts are just a wonderful way particularly if you're not feeling the Christmas spirit is to go along to a Christmas concert so good luck to that Christmas concert in McCroom because it's in a very worthwhile cause and it's Friday night that means that bingo will be going on in Mallow GAA complex and Finbar Sheen of course who uh, calls out the bingo numbers and organises the bingo in Mallow every week has been on to me to say when I'm when I'm Mentioning that the bingo was on tonight at 8 o'clock, would I please mention that make tonight tickety boo in 52 calls for a jackpot of €7,300. I'm not too sure what that means, but to all of the bingo fans, they'll know. So make tonight tickety boo. 52 calls for a jackpot of €7,300 with Mallow GAA bingo. And of course, all uh, funds raised go to Mallow GAA and eyes down at 8 o'clock uh, tonight. Thanks for that, uh, Fimber. 
Now, I mentioned about the call. Well, one of our listeners mentioned that there is uh, what's been announced that there is going to be a call of deer. We've too many deer in the country. They're causing all kinds of problems, particularly when it comes to road traffic accidents. So something has to be done and there has to be a call of the deer. And that doesn't sit very well, particularly with animal rights activists and animal lovers. People hate the idea of these beautiful animals uh, being killed, being shot and killed. But powers that be say that it must be done. Well, Mike in Bantry has a different solution. He says if you introduced wolves, wild wolves back into Ireland, they've done it in France, they've done it in Spain, they've done it in Poland. It would control the deer population. We really need to start considering uh, that. And I know we've certainly discussed the reintroduction of wolves uh, into the programme before on the programme. And I just did a search there online uh, only, only October of this year the talk of introducing wolves was raised again. And the reason it was brought up back in the, at the end of October this uh, year was the Kerry Independent Doll Deputy Danny Healy Ray was urging the government to organise a serious call of Kerry's deer population. And he was calling for back in October to improve road safety in his constituency. So he, he's obviously glad to hear that a call is going uh, is going ahead. But not everybody was in favour of it. I mean, for example, the, the Association of Hunt Saboteurs, I mean, they were, they were strong, be strongly opposed to any kind of a call of uh, deer and uh, they said that it's long-term management of the deer population uh, is what we need and they were one of the groups suggesting the reintroduction of wolves but they're not on their own because the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan had previously said that the reintroduction of the wolf would help control the deer population and it also would have a positive impact on Irish biodiversity so it has been mentioned and it certainly has been mentioned at government level when you have Eamon Ryan, uh, who is in coalition at the moment and our current Minister for the Environment. He suggests that it would be positive. Uh, it would have a positive impact on Irish biodiversity. Uh, the last wild wolf, by the way, in Ireland was sighted in 1786. Extinction came about following centuries of persecution and loss of the forest habitat that they depended on. I don't know how many people would uh, like to see the return of the wolf. It has happened certainly in other countries and of course if you had the introduction of wolves in an area where there were a, were, were a lot of deer, it certainly would one of the positives would be it would lead to road uh, safety because it would be less it's certainly less deer on the road. Your thoughts on that? 0818103103 Back to Helen McEntee and her calling out of rioters and losers as scumbags and thugs. Pat says, Patricia, the woman that says we should show respect to the scumbags involved in the rioting in Dublin. She didn't say anything about the victims of those thugs. I'm sick and tired of those do-gooders shielding thugs and criminals. The minister was right to say what she said. To be honest, I'd say she was very restrained with the words that she used. We have to be very careful and stop glorifying criminals. Well, I think the listener who was who was saying that we need to show respect, she was making the point that many of these have grown up uh, without having proper um, parental control and that they are not shown uh, respect and what they're learning, they're learning in their own households and that if they've never been shown respect, that we, the civilised society, must show respect back to them and the, the, the 
the theory would be that if you show respect uh, to people that they one day might learn and they then would go on to show respect to uh, others whether it would work or not I don't know Thanks for your text Pat Eileen said uh, scumbags was what I would have called them as well I agree 100% with Minister Helen McEntee while Michael says I agree with the person who said Helen McEntee is a failed Minister for Justice we see it every day here in Little Island we have traffic speeding we have very dangerous driving and there isn't a guard or a speed van anywhere says Michael another one calling for more Gardaí on the beat. Patricia, all the people of Ireland want to be listened to by politicians, not to be called names. I can't believe the amount of people on your programme this morning who are actually agreeing with Minister for Justice Helen McEntee and those awful names that she labelled people with. They are very vulgar words. Politicians need to show respect to receive respect back. People are concerned, Patricia, and they're angry. While there's no excuse for what they did in Dublin City a number of weeks ago, Ireland, unfortunately, is in a bad place at the moment. Uh, I have never, I can never ever remember politicians calling people names like that. They were rogues, but we all... We all know, but nothing like what there is at the moment. Ireland is slowly becoming a dictatorship, according to this listener, with politicians telling us what to say, how to, how to say it and what uh, to uh, do. Patricia, I'm 74 and all I can say is I'm glad that I'm on the way out of this world instead of coming into it, which is a sad, sad thing to, to see written in a uh, text. But somebody's certainly not happy with Helen McEntee and uh, the government. And this is on, this is a great uh, email in from Jimmy. This is to do with the closure of post offices, which we spoke about uh, earlier on when we were talking about Crosshaven uh, post offices. The latest post office is going to close at the end of this month unless in a short few weeks somebody can be found uh, to take it over and it led to kind of a conversation then about the number of, particularly the rural post offices that we've seen closing and what it does to a community when they lose uh, their post office and that whole discussion and argument about doing everything online and of course by doing everything online then you have less and less of these post offices and banks need it and we head to a cashless uh, society. Jimmy Abandon says I believe this closing of post offices is indeed following the the closure of local bank branches and it is further moving us all towards a cashless society. I remember getting emails from the bank telling me they're listening to me, their clients, and we're going to move everything towards more online banking. Then they removed counter cash facilities from my branch. I never asked for any of that to happen. They certainly weren't listening to Jimmy. Closing those post offices is yet another blow against the senior citizens of this country. The same people who contributed their lives to making this country the thriving one it is today. My own mother is elderly. She's no idea about any, anything online. So it has to depend on others just to maintain the everyday things that all the rest of us simply take for granted. I can use online facilities, I can use them fine, but I'm still a big believer of people having the choice to either use cash or to use card. Not only does Crosshaven Post Office need to be saved, but so does every other post office nationwide. I think Councillor Audrey Buckley, who you spoke to, made a chilling point about it happening to the rest of us in the future. Because one day, as Audrey said, we will all get old. Who will help us then when we get to that stage? Especially when things such as this are being implemented so easily now without any seemingly seeming opposition. 
I really hope we can get something in place to save those local community facilities enjoying your show. That's a good, that's a fantastic uh, email from uh, Jimmy and Bandon, yeah. And it, when I, whenever we talk about anything that affects older people, I'm always making that point, you know, uh, please God, we'll all have health good enough that will allow us to live into old age. And you would like to think that we'll be looked after and well looked after and that our needs are met and that if something doesn't suit just because we're elderly, that it won't be changed, that it will be left uh, in place. It's a little bit like when we've been discussing what's been happening with the GAA, with them putting everything online. Again, it was older people we were hearing from. The same with the GAA Go, with putting the matches behind a paywall. It was the older people who don't have access to that paywall who were being uh, affected. So yes, I think before we get to old age, we need to speak up speak up for the current generation of older people because one day that will be us. Thank you for your text, uh, Jimmy, to 0862 103 103. Cork Diary. With Cork County Council reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas. There will be a 45-card drive in Philip Green's Hall in Doris tonight. That's at half past eight. There's a raffle for a hamper and proceeds are going to the wonderful Cancer Connect. And don't forget the bidding for the Cork Lions Club online action auction closes at midnight tonight. Proceeds from the auction goes to their food appeal, which they have then to distribute over 500 food hampers to deserving families. You can still register on their auction site for today, your last day, corklinesclub.ie. Lennamore Community are presenting Treasure Island tonight and tomorrow night. It starts at 8. Admission is €10. Euro. This is a cash-only event to book 027-739-11. Kildallery Bingo is on tonight in the Community Hall. Please note the change of venue starts at 8 and the jackpot is €3,000. Core Gale are holding a Christmas family concert. It's in the Theatre of Blarney Secondary School tomorrow Saturday with a half seven start. The sing-along is guaranteed to bring a smile to your face. There'll be a raffle tomorrow night in aid of the Hope Foundation. Tickets are available online um, and you can go to great events, gr8events.ie Core Gale Concert. And Santa Paul's at the CSPCA are inviting people to join them from 12 noon to 5 p.m. at the CSPCA Link Road in Mahan tomorrow Saturday and again on Sunday. Bring your dog along to get a photo taken with Santa for five euro. There will also be a raffle, Christmas stores, spot prizes, teas, coffees and cakes will all be available. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Thank you to Michael in uh, Castletown Bear for sending this song because I wasn't aware it was the anniversary today, but uh, somebody has posted up. It's 51 years ago today. Oh, it was yesterday, sorry. On the 7th of December 1972, the IRA kidnapped, murdered, uh, and, the, and disappeared Jean McConville. Her body has never been found. At the time, she was a 37-year-old widow and she was a mother of 10 abducted from her home in Belfast in front of her uh, children. You'll often over the years have heard Jean McConville's children, I mean, desperate just to uh, get their mother's remains uh, back. Uh, Michael said, so uh, sad. Um, she uh, so sad a lady that will never be forgotten. Yeah, and Jean McConville's name is one of those names I think that really always stands out when we uh, think about what happened in the Troubles. But 51 years ago, my goodness. 
Uh, may she rest in peace and you'd love to think for her family that her body would be returned to them for some uh, Christian burial and for them to have a place where they can go and properly grieve for their mother. Now on Wolves and the introduction of the call for one of our listeners saying there should be reintroduction of Wolves, somebody completely against the marksmen going out and shooting shooting the deer because there's going to be a cull now because there seems to be an explosion with the deer uh, population. John in White's Cross says wild wolves would devastate farming communities. Do people see the danger as wolves would be moving around? I would be against the reintroduction of wild wolves unless some safety measures could be brought into place. I think it would be a bizarre idea. I think it would be worth looking into how other countries, it has happened in Spain, France and Poland, I think it was the other country that was mentioned. It would be worth going and looking at how they reintroduced wolves in other countries because you can't, you, you, John is right, you can't just leave them roaming uh, around. John in Enniskeen says, what about all the sheep, the calves and the farm animals that the wolves uh, would uh, kill? He certainly would be against the, re- the, against the reintroduction of wolves. You can't just reintroduce wolves and say, oh, by the way, we just want to use you to cull the deer. And then two people are making the same uh, point. Joe says, uh, the people who would like to introduce wolves to control deer, uh, would they like to see a deer torn to pieces? Culling, culling them would be much, le- much less painful. And Sheila says the same thing. I think the bullet is far quicker and a cleaner death for a deer rather than being torn to shred by wolves. Uh, and then Sheila has a suggestion. Could they not fire contraceptive darts at the deer? And could that not reduce the numbers naturally? I, I don't know. Simple answer. I don't know. Is there such a thing? Let me go to, to stay on the topic of deer. Barry uh, joins me from West Cork. Good afternoon, Barry. Uh, good afternoon, Patricia. You, you're in favour of this call of deer? Oh, absolutely! I think it's I think it's 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 needed, and it's needed very urgently because, like we just said, travelling any any roads in West Cork into Kinmare, any parts of Kerry, I've encountered them on nearly on a daily basis at this stage. And in actual fact, I had an accident with one about two weeks ago in my car, in the region of about ten thousand euros worth of damage done. Whoa! And uh, but whatever about being in a car, you, you take a motorcyclist. Yeah. If, if it's going to happen, and when they hit it, they'll be killed. And these deer, like, mm-hmm. they're absolutely, they're roaming the place freely now at this stage, so the, the, it needs calling actually urgently. And do you know why there seems to be an increase in the deer population? I mean, what's going on this year? Well, you see, the, the one, they've got a lot of cover as well in a lot of these areas. There's a lot of cover for them anywhere, like, and a lot of feeding for them. So they're coming into more urban areas now and and there you could see them very close to towns and villages I've seen them very close to towns and villages where before you had to go into the mountains to see the deer you know and is that, yeah because somebody's pointing out the reason why there's an increase uh, because we we the humans have built on their natural habitat and I know when we discussed it last week or the week before because you know the new the new um, road the bypass in McCroom seemingly they're having a problem there that the deer are coming onto uh, the bypass and there's a number of cars that were written off now luckily nobody was killed but that's the fear factor is somebody will be killed but someone was explaining the reason for it was that that bypass was built in an area that was the natural habitat for the deer and of course the deer don't understand why their habitat has disappeared. Yes but they're, they're still appearing, I would have seen them over the years and they would have been a lot more restricted to the mountainous areas, now they're coming right down, 
it themselves just because they haven't been called. I mean, this calling should have been taking place over the last, I'd say, five, ten years, and then we wouldn't have the epidemic of them now that we have really, you know. And is that the problem? We haven't had a proper Irish deer management. Oh, it has to. It has to be with the with the amount of them that are out there. It really has to be, you know. Okay, I'm just reading the call. The culling of deer will take place as recommended. It's a new report um, that has uh, come out. The uh, group recommend extending the hunting season for male and female uh, deer. Um, so yeah, and it's this, and actually this group who uh, who are called the Irish Deer Management Strategy Group. They were set up 14 months ago. So they've been discussing okay. it for the last 14 months. And obviously when they got together 14 months ago, there must have been a problem there that now has only got, got worse. Uh, Minister McConnell Oak says the growing deer population is a considerable problem. So something has to be done. So culling is the is the only way. And actually the Irish Creamy Milk Suppliers Association, they, they've described the move as long overdue. So that's what's yeah. been happening. We've just left them off. And just on the last point there, uh, introducing wolves into West Cork. Yeah. When you, when you look at our at all our mountainous area and our sheep out in the mountains, it just it just wouldn't work there. In a lot of areas, maybe in lowland areas, now that's where they can pin and keep the sheep in fields and properly fenced in. It, it, you couldn't have you. Could, it wouldn't work in West Cork or Kerry or any of them places bringing wolves in like that. Yeah, and as I said, you can't tell the wolves. We just want you looking at. We just want you killing deer and nothing else. Absolutely. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Okay, li- listen. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks. Thanks uh, for joining us. That is um, uh, Barry uh, joining us from uh, Bantry. And actually, I've just also spotted that when the the uh, the farmers the the creamery um, the ICMSA they also have pointed out and I wasn't aware aware of this that uh, deer have a role in spreading bovine tuberculosis uh, TB I, I wasn't aware of that but seemingly it does and they are putting a call on the minister to bring the call in uh, as early as January 2024 I can't find a date of when that call is to begin but they're saying that it should begin uh, uh, very soon the hotspots emerging for counties uh, is Tipperary Waterford Donegal and Galway and actually they haven't mentioned Cork and uh, Kerry but certainly uh, people in Cork and Kerry are saying that there are a lot of de- around and it does need to be uh, sorted out. Uh, 0818 103 103 and I know from an animal lover's point of view it's, it, I mean they're beautiful majestic animals but I mean if they're causing the havoc that they are causing particularly for car uh, accidents I mean Barry there is lucky to be alive if he's done you know 10,000 euro worth of damage done to his car and we heard a couple of weeks ago cars have been completely written off on the new by- bypass in McCroom so I suppose uh, something has to be done uh, about it. Bill in Clannacilty says we're flying in the face of God. Why can't they be killed humanely, butchered and sent out to poorer countries that have nothing or can they not be caught alive and exported to third world countries? Well, when a cull takes place, I'm assuming that the meat is eaten because it's, it's I, I take it it's because they're talking about the deer hunting season being extended that that's what they're going to do as part of the cull. So I take it but when people go out to kill Deer. They're not just doing it for the sake of it. I, I take it, and and if somebody who's into hunting can tell us, please. I'm I'm, I'm assuming that the meat isn't wasted. That the meat is actually used. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. And just a couple of quick texts in Ming, uh, Middleton GA Bingo is on tonight at seven. That's from uh, Marion and Bernice says Patricia, particularly when I mentioned Jean McConville and her anniversary yesterday, fifty one years ago. 
Bernice says, Patricia, remember that today it's the 43rd anniversary of the shooting of John Lennon. That took place. That was the 8th of December. What a waste of a life and such a lovely man and a singer. And what a great loss that was to the music industry as well. So we remember the late, great John Lennon today as well. Thank you for that, Bernice. And we say good afternoon to Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're welcome along. OK, two movies uh, for us, Family Switch, which is described as a comedy. And the other <laughs> is The Killer, which is described as an action-adventure crime movie. So two very different very movies so. here. OK, let's start with Family switch. What's this all about? It's comedy in inverted commas, I'm oh, afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. you know, you know, it's, it's, it, I couldn't warm to it no matter what I did, you know what okay. I mean? And uh, it's one of these kind of body switch movies which we've seen. Oh, yeah, it's no, another one of those, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm not a huge fan of the body switch. Well, well, some of them I don't really, really mind. You yeah. remember Big with Tom Hanks? Oh, well, Big was you know, wonderful, yeah. And Jennifer Garner, who's in this, was also in one called 13 Going on 30, which uh, she made a very good job of, and I thought that was kind of sweet, and I thought it was very, very good. This one I found very, very difficult to warm to, and uh, because it's just so silly, and the whole thing is just really, really clunky. And I don't really want to go after it because I know that there are people probably listening right now who have seen it and because uh, it's on Netflix and uh, and possibly uh, enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mm. really want to go after it because I do have an imagination. I am willing to let my kind of imagination run right. I am. Do you know what I mean? I love the films of Cam- Frank Capra. You know, one of my favourite films is, is Field of Dreams, which is about a man mm. who builds a baseball pitch in his back garden yeah. so that the players from 1930 can come back and play in his back garden. And I love that movie. So yeah. I am willing to let my kind of brain just kind of switch off and but the thing is is that this is so badly overdone this is so clunky and so in your face I found it very very difficult to kind of warm to it um, it's directed by Mac G <laughs> uh, he made the Charlie's Angels movies a few years ago oh, with yeah. Cameron Diaz yeah. which I thought were very very cool. yeah, yeah, they yeah, were cute they were, they were good you know, yeah. they weren't terrible and they were very annoying they knew how you know silly they were and I enjoyed that about it and he did come from kind of pop uh, kind of promos and, and, and videos so all his uh, you know directing style is really over the top and everything about this film is really, really broad. It's almost pantomime-like, really, on screen and uh, and over the top. So we meet Jennifer Garner and Ed Helms and their parents. And when we meet them, they're trying to do this kind of silly Christmas dance routine in front of their two teenage so kids. So is it a Christmas movie? It's a, well, it's a Christmas. It's set at Christmas. Okay. In the same way that Die Hard is a Christmas oh, movie. Right, do you know okay. what I mean? Because yeah, Christmas yeah. has little or nothing to do with it because this film is all about... Family, okay, uh, the destruction of the American family, and what can be done about it? Um, so we meet the two of them. They're trying to do this dance for Christmas in front of the kids. The kids are in their teens, and by now, you know, they don't want to play a part. Uh, Sulky teenagers, kind of exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're moving on now. You know what I mean? But of course, Jennifer Garner, because she is that kind of American mother, she has to really over-exaggerate, and of course, she thinks that uh, you know the family is fractured and it's been being just it being destroyed, and and then she's the kind of she's the kind of, a very very good example of the way in which this film. Is is kind of um, is is directed, and the way in which it's performed. Jennifer Garner. First of all, the two of them they they work in middle management, but their house must cost about twenty million dollars. First <laughs> of all, how how they can afford a house like that, I have absolutely no idea. When she goes to work, she meets the uh, car park attendant. She's got a rap song, of course, uh, in, on her radio, and he comes up, and of course he starts rapping to her and singing and dancing. And this happens apparently every single day. She goes into her job, and she meets uh, one of the men. men she works with and you know when these city handshakes that people do oh, yeah. or they really overdo yeah. it and then it turns into a big huge dance routine and she does this every single day I meet you every day at work how do we greet each other I go hi Trish and you go hi Mark and some mornings depending on your mood it's just a low <laughs> you're not a morning person if you're lucky so and this is the way and that's because that's the way real people yeah. now, now look yeah. it's a movie and it's a silly movie and I understand that exactly and maybe I should 
be a little bit more warm to it. But I did find it very difficult. Anyway, so basically what happens is uh, they go to the, um, the, the, the stars align in some way. Uh, they bump into Rita Moreno uh, from... Um, from way back. I mean, she's, what, 91 now and still looks very, very beautiful. And uh, she, Rita Moreno is this kind of gypsy Rose Lee type character. We know this because she talks like this. And, uh, and she casts a spell so that the next morning they all are have body swapped. So basically the daughter has become the mother, the mother is the daughter, the, the son is the father, and the father, father is, is the, the son. son. Okay. Oh, dear. And, um, and the, if it happened to you, how would you deal with it? I'd stay indoors. <laughs> Okay, you would visit every scientist in the world. You would psych- psychiatrists yeah. and doctors. Yeah. You, would, you would freak out completely. But, of yeah. course, this is a silly American kind of, uh, you know, movie for Christmas. So please don't say they just go to work in school. So, yes. All right. So they kind of go, oh, dear, what are we going to do now? And it just so happens that the next day, all four of them have something very, very important to do with their lives. Of course. Jennifer Garner has got to give this speech at work, which, of course, she can't do. And it's got to be done by her daughter, who knows nothing about what her mother does for, for a living because it's a fractured family. The daughter wants to try out for the American football team, even though she's about 14 years of age and has never played professional football or uh, football in her life. That means Jennifer Garner, as her mother, of course, in the body of her daughter, has got to go and play that football, even though she doesn't know how to play football because she has had no interest in what her daughter does uh, in, in, uh, you know, as part of her life because it's a fractured family. Um, the father, Ed Helms here, he's got a band uh, which is called Dad or Alive. See what they did there? Uh, and he wants to go on The Voice in America with his band so that he can become famous. The so the son has to do that. So the son has to do that. And the son is a genius. And one of those kind of American kind of uh, kid geniuses, uh, which really don't exist, but he is. And his father, who's just a ne'er-do-well, basically, kind of band leader, uh, he has got the, daughter, the son wants to go to Yale. And so he's got an interview. And, of course, the dad has got to do that. And... Hilarity ensues. Eh, not really. What does happen in the change, by the way, that is quite funny, is they also have a little baby, and the baby, and they've got a pug, and the baby and the pug switch, and that's possibly, <laughs> probably, the funniest part okay. of, of the whole film. And in fact, when they do switch, they even do reference all those body switch movies because Ed Helm says, "Oh, no kid has ever just woken up big," yeah, and then, yeah. and then uh, the the kid goes, "Yeah, it's so freaky, Freaky yeah. Friday," yeah. and then the daughter goes, "You're telling me I'm seventeen again." Again, which was another one of those movies. Yeah. And then somebody goes, I'm 13 going on 30, which starred, of course, uh, Jennifer Garner. So it's the, one of the clunkiest films that I have ever seen and is very, very difficult uh, to watch at times. Well, children like it. I don't think so. I think it's more of a kind of parents' movie. I did pause it at one stage. Now, this is true. I paused it to go make a cup of tea because it was just too much for me. And yeah. I came back and I said, oh, I must have watched about half of this movie, surely. It was 22 minutes I watched. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Now, I don't want to say it's all terrible because there are moments in the middle which are really touching and are really sweet. And I did warm to it and I thought, yeah, this is kind of lovely and this is very, very nice indeed. But then it just spoils it by utter and complete nonsense. The other thing, of course, is that a famous for these movies is that moment in those films where once the change has happened, there's um, a little exploration in the downstairs area, yeah. uh, you know, to see what exactly is down there, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And um, that doesn't happen in this film, I'm glad to be able to say, okay. because it's a family movie and we can't have okay. that, you know okay. what I mean? But then there is the incest scene. Go on. <laughs> this you, did you cause do, an awful lot of controversy you online. Do, you don't. 
Yeah. You don't. So basically, the brother what, and the sister. So basically, what happens is is that obviously the brother and the sister are now Adults, the two, no, the two the parents, parents, which is a yeah. very different relationship. And the parents have friends around, and the, and one of them comes up with this idea and says to them, "Oh, by the way, um, twelve kisses a day are very important to keep the relationship uh, running." So they persuade Ed Helms and Jennifer Garner, who are basically their kids to try and kiss. And they put them under huge pressure. And the girl, as her mother says, look, we've really got to do this. We really have to do this. And I'm thinking, watching this, you don't really. All you've got to do is turn around and go, no, we're not going to do it. Now, they do make it comedic in that kind of Back to the Future way. It's not offensive. They end up squashing faces. I mean, it's a silly, silly scene. But there was no need for it. I think people online have gotten very, very overly sensitive about it. But they could have done without it. And they could have done without half an hour of this film as well. Okay, mark it out of ten? I give it four. Four out of ten. Okay, and then your second movie is The Killer. This is an action adventure. Yeah, this is very, very different. Yeah, this is uh, brought to us by uh, David Fincher, who has uh, brought us films like Fight Club and Seven and movies like that you know a lot of action kind of uh, movies and Brad Pitt who he's worked with a n- number of times before and both those films I think actually was meant to be in this but uh, the role instead went to Michael Fassbender who's Ooh. very very good indeed yeah like now, this won't be to everybody's um, liking I think because it's uh, it's very different uh, than, it's kind of like The Bourne Identity it's kind of like um, The Day of the Jackal but it's very very slow moving and deliberately so I think has a real kind of French feel to it and I was wondering was Luke Best on involved, uh, but it is based on on, on a French um, a comic, in fact, so it didn't surprise me. The weird thing is, at the very, very start, the uh, titles go by so fast, I mean, you have to have your wits about you, you know what I mean? It was almost like they went, right, let's get the titles out of the way and get, let's get into the film. Then you have this weird 30 minutes of Michael Fassbender sitting, looking out a window at a building across the road. We, he then begins to talk in, 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 in voiceover and he tell, tells us that we, we begin to realise that he's waiting for somebody. He's waiting for a man to arrive. To assassinate him. To assassinate okay. him. And he then begins to go through the method, his incredibly complicated method of what he has to do and what the, 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 the kind of psyche that he has to kind of get into to be able to, to, to do this. And all this happens in voiceover. Um, he's there for about a week and this takes up the first 30 minutes of the film. You're 30 minutes in and you've realised, oh my goodness, we're still in this room with Michael Fassbender and it's on just, his own. And you're just hearing his thoughts. And, and his thoughts. And yeah. it's extraordinary. It, it is really, really good, you know. And um, he then... Um, his potential um, uh, victim. Victim, thank you. Uh, suddenly does arrive and he makes a mess of it and he kills oh. the wrong person. Oh. And because of that, then his potential empl- employers decide to, to go after him. And then it does become very much like the Bourne identity, but much, much slower uh, and not as kind of action packed. Because of that, I think it's great because you're just building and building and building up, uh, you know, tension throughout the, the whole film. And is it gruesome? Um, it is gruesome. Yeah. And, but weirdly, because he's able to go all over the world, he uses different identities and he uses the identities of a lot of American famous American comic uh, characters like like Felix Unger and and Oscar Madison from do you know what those characters no. from the odd couple all right okay Lou yeah. Grant yeah, Sam, Lou Sam yeah. Malone yeah. and nobody goes oh you're the same name as that yeah, yeah. anyway uh, but that's uh, and, and that's okay. a weird piece of levity in what is quite a violent film but it's, it's very very good it's called the killer market out of 10 I'll give it eight eight out of ten okay listen thank you for that have a lovely week and we will chat to you again next week that's Mark Malone our movie reviewer that's where we wrap it up for today my thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for producing all this week Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon have a lovely weekend and we'll be back with you on 
on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.